This is Pamela Wilson, author of Master Content Strategy, and you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I either run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on. They are recorded during the cocktail hour. To find the show notes for each episode with pictures of each guest and links mentioned in their conversation, visit marketingbookcocktails.com. Marketingbookcocktails.com. See what I did there? And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com, and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. Pamela Wilson, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. How are you and where are you? I am in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, sheltering in place at home, as you can imagine. Excellent. Excuse me while I open my drink there. Um, and what is it, uh, what is it you're, um, you're having? I am having a tequila with lime and soda, and it's got, I always ask for it with extra lime because the extra lime just makes the whole drink. It's kind of like a margarita, but without all the sweet stuff. Oh. It's like a minimalist margarita. Excellent. Uh, you know, only a, a good graphic designer would have would have come up with something like that. But you said your husband made it for you? My husband made it for me. He knows how I like it. So he got up, I think there's four lime slices in this drink. So, oh. yeah. Well, if it's at all possible to get the recipe from uh, your husband, I'd like to include it on your episode's show notes at marketingbookcocktails.com. Oh, that's a great idea. I would be happy to send it to you. And who doesn't like tequila? In fact, I think you're the second author I've spoken to who was drinking tequila, the first being Jay Bear, and he's like a real tequila expert. In fact, he was drinking tequila that he'd bought at some distillery in Mexico just before the whole pandemic hit, and it was so uh, handcrafted, it was in like a a water plastic water bottle with no label on it. That was the only way they, they would sell. Yeah, the must have been really interesting to get through customs. Well, yeah, who knows? I mean, I don't want to ask too many questions of Jay Bear because he's uh, kind of a wild man. So you were episode 107 and 202 for your two phenomenal books, Master Content Marketing, and then we talked about Master Content Strategy. And I uh, loved both books, and here's why I say I loved them because. They were both on the desk of my content director, Pete Humes, and there weren't a whole lot of books uh, on the desk, but he was actually, we were actually using it. And I think at one point I even sent you a picture of it uh, in the wild being used on a real live content director's desk. Now, everybody's vacated the office. They're all working at home, which I think was a brilliant way to get away from me. Well played, well played. So anyway, a lot of that stuff is still back in the office, but we're gonna, uh, you know, we're gonna empty out the office at some point. But for those folks that haven't uh, heard those interviews, remind listeners 
uh, who you are and what you do. Well, the master, I, I refer to it affectionately as the master content series. And I wrote that series for people who, like me, believed in the promise of content marketing, but who did not consider themselves to be writers. So my background really is design. I basically studied design in college and then went on to do it as a career. And then I wanted to have an online business and I knew I wanted to use content marketing, but I did not feel confident at all about writing content or creating content on any level. But I did figure out a few things. I figured them out pretty well. And I ended up teaching my system to the audience at Copyblogger. They actually brought me on as executive vice president of educational content. They put me in charge of their blog. So I learned so much over those years and then really felt like I wanted to share what I had learned so that anyone could use content marketing, even if you feel like you're not a born writer. That is great. And Pamela Wilson, there is no greater street cred amongst content marketing people than having worked at Copyblogger. So respect, yo. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great experience. And I'll tell you what, we were just pumping out content and it had to be the highest quality because, of course, everybody was looking at you as an industry leader. So no pressure. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the greatest blogs. Uh, and I learned so much from that. And they also have uh, or did. I, I I haven't listened to it lately, but they're phenomenal uh, podcasts, a whole bunch of podcasts uh, that were quite good. The other thing that's um, so interesting about your book and why I continue to recommend it to folks is because there are so many people who think they, quote, can't write or, yeah. <laughs> or can't do yeah. this. And your story, even without, even without writing those books, your story is such a a validation of the fact that you were sort of like one of those authors who spoke another language and then wrote an English masterpiece, like like uh, <laughs> Joseph Conrad. He was Polish, and he learned, and he became one of the great English, uh, you know, novelists. But it was sort of like you came at it almost from the outside, and you probably thought, it and you turned it into a system. And what's interesting about the book is uh, both books is that. I don't think there was a lot of theory in there. You only seem to have in there what has been tested uh, over time, particularly, I guess you started doing that when you were a copy blogger. Yeah, definitely. Well, I came up with a process so that I could get my content published on Copyblogger as a guest author. I sort of sat down and said, I got to figure this thing out, you know? So, uh, and now, and I haven't even told you this, so I'm springing a surprise on you. Okay, but so I have actually like a marketing book podcast exclusive <laughs> yeah, here, right? My, you, yes, you might want to take a swig of your drink for this one. <laughs> I've actually developed a course based on the concepts in the book. It's called The Content Lab. Oh. And it, it has been amazing because I basically used those concepts as a foundation and then built them out and added tools, added, you know, live video and live coaching so that people... Well, that's right. I, I knew about this. I, for a minute there, I was thinking, man, Douglas, you got to get with it. Now I remember. Yes. 
I don't yes, want you thinking I don't know these things. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, it's been a little bit under the radar because I opened the doors to an initial group of students in January, and then I kind of closed them while I served that group of students. So it's been fantastic because I got live feedback on what I was doing and um, was able to answer questions and all of that. And now, it, now the course is created. So it's really amazing to have this available to people so that they can use it, especially now. I, there are just a lot of people who are building content. Maybe they never had time before and suddenly they have more time now and they're wanting to build out that asset on their websites. Plus, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but there are a lot more people online right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're kind of looking for good information. So it's a great time to respond with trustworthy content, I think. Yes. And when I spoke to Joe Polizzi the other day, all these days are kind of running in together because, I mean, it is cocktails, uh, Pamela Wilson. But, yeah, um, yeah. but I was talking to him and he was saying there is no better time than right now to refocus on building an audience and uh, working on your content. And just yesterday, I was talking to Robbie Kelman Baxter, whose most recent book is The Forever Transaction. And she is one of those people that is, uh, I don't know what they're called, but the they have these airline miles or whatever. You know, they're just uh, whatever the highest levels are. And suddenly that's all stopped because you can't travel. And uh, she said, She's really doing a lot more content right now, and she's learning a little bit more about how to do uh, other kinds of content, like more about audio and video and different yeah. kinds of things. Of course, she's got her college daughters at her house now showing her how to work <laughs> all the equipment. Don't tell her I said that. Don't anyone tell her I said that. But um, <laughs> but I also noticed on your uh, website, we'll include a link to it, uh, yours is bigbrandsystem.com. You've also got this focus, find your focus with this free quiz. What does that do for folks? Because I was almost tempted to take it. Yeah, you should take it and see what it what it tells you. I can't focus what, to take it though. <laughs> right. It's very short and it's actually kind of fun and it has pictures. So you'll like that part. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect nothing for less from Pamela Wilson. <laughs> the focus finder quiz basically hinges on this um, way that I, it, the thing is I have been teaching people to build online businesses since 2010, which is one of the reasons, I mean, like Joe, I'm kind of feeling like this is a time that I need to step out and lead because I feel like people really need my information right now. Mm -hmm. So the way that I teach online business building is that you do not need to learn everything at once or tackle everything at once and get yourself all feeling overwhelmed and confused. What you need to do is figure out what business building stage you are in right now and focus only on that stage. And the way I teach it is that there are only four stages. And at any given moment, you are in one of those stages, which means that if you're not in one of the other stages, you can ignore all the content, all the courses, all the books, everything that has to do with those stages, you can just ignore them. So the idea is that you can cut down your to-do list by 75%. Hmm. Can you give us an overview of what those four stages are? Yes, absolutely. The four stages that I teach are plan, 
build, implement, and grow. And in the plan stage, this is when we are thinking about our businesses, we're thinking about what we're going to call the business, who our ideal customer will be. Maybe we're setting up our visual brand and figuring out like our verbal brand, like our tagline and things like that. But it's all very kind of conceptual. It's planning. You're doing a lot of thinking, but you haven't actually built anything. Once you get all of those things nailed down, then you move on to build. And when you are building an online business, that means building a website, which is going to be the home base of your online business. So you're building out your website, you're building, beginning to build an email list, you're beginning to think about building your first offers and what that's going to look like. You're actually creating tangible digital items. And then in the implement stage, you are out there selling. So you're offering a service, you're offering a product, and you are implementing a launch process, a sales process, maybe you're delivering webinars, things like that. In that stage, you can actually stay there for a good long time because you're learning so much about what works, what your audience responds to, what they need. But oftentimes, people move on to this fourth stage, which I call the grow stage, which is, I mean, if you're lucky enough to get to that stage, it's because you have a consistent source of online income. So you have something that is converting reliably. It's a product or a service that's selling at a rate that you can kind of depend on it. You have a good feel for how much income and cash flow you're going to have every month. And that allows you to do things like turn around and start running ads or investing in maybe bringing in a team of people to help you or building out affiliate programs where you actually pay people a percentage of your online product sales so that they can help you promote. You can basically reinvest in your business once you get to the grow stage. Mm. You know what strikes me, Pamela Wilson, is that a lot of people or companies think they're supposed to start with that fourth one. That's, <laughs> that is, I know, that's is true? exactly why I developed those stages because what I see is a lot of people who are thinking about starting an online business and they are signing themselves up for an expensive class on Facebook ads. And, you know, you don't need to take a course on Facebook ads when you haven't figured out who you're even going to be serving with your online business. Yeah, and also... It seems like a lot of people want to jump to that fourth one, but also they skip over that first one. In other words, yes. the whole planning right. part uh, yeah. is, is seems to me that's the linchpin of, yes. of success. I, honestly, every one of these phases is really important. And I oftentimes bring someone into one of my programs and I start working with them and they discover that they have missed a piece. They've missed a really essential piece of one of these stages. So what I have them do is to go through, sometimes it's just to go through that quiz and see what it gives them in terms of answers so that they maybe can identify the missing pieces and then focus on getting those missing pieces in place so that they have a nice solid foundation under their businesses. The other reason I think this is so important is that online business changes so quickly. I mean, 
the business world changes quickly in general, but online businesses change so quickly and best practices change very quickly as well. So if you're in one of the early stages and you start reading blog posts or listening to podcasts or taking courses for something that you don't need to be doing right now that maybe you'll need to do in one of the later stages, Well, by the time you get to the point that you can actually use that knowledge, the best practices have changed, right? Right. So you basically wasted your time. You've invested time in learning something that you are not ready to actually use. This this may be my next book, by the way. (laughs) I, I get a little ranty talking about it, which usually tells me that I need to write another book. So what do you think the next one would be about? It may be about this concept of of growing a business because the whole promise of approaching online business building this way is that it's going to be less overwhelming and you are going to be able to focus and get more done faster. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what title that translates into. Right. <laughs> I haven't gotten that far, but I I, you know, whenever I talk to people about this approach, I just see light bulbs light up. So I'm pretty sure I need to write another book. Well, I think the first word in the title probably should be master. <laughs> right? You're welcome. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the service I provide. You know, you mentioned uh, best practices. It, it reminds me of the book that Jay Akunzo wrote. I interviewed him a couple days ago. And it was about, it was called Break the Wheel. And it was about the dangers of following slavishly following best practices because they do in fact change. (laughs) They change so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, I mean, until you really understand who you're serving, who your audience is and what their needs are, you can't really know what best practices are going to, that you're going to need to use in your business, basically. Like you really have to go through step-by-step and set a firm foundation so that you know what you're doing. Otherwise, people, I've seen, one of my frustrations and one of the reasons I developed this is I've seen so many really smart professionals become completely overwhelmed by this process of building an online business. And they're smart. They're really smart in other areas of their lives. But when it comes to putting together all the moving parts of a of an online business, they feel stupid. (laughs) And, you know, that makes me sad. And I think, honestly, it's because people are just throwing content and courses and products and books at them willy-nilly, and people don't know how to filter out and, and really focus on what they actually need at any given time. So they're sitting there trying to drink from a fire hose. And, Mm -hmm. of course, that's not comfortable. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah. And your book, the first one I read, Master Content Marketing, you've got this expression, I, I can't remember, it's like the lazy efficient approach or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I'm reading the book and you really do have this approach, which after I've read through it, I thought, wow, that's not overwhelming at all, but it does require uh, a couple of days. In other words, there's some time. You do one or two things one day, you get on a system and then yeah. you do something the next day, and then you, you stop. You don't try and do it all at once. And that, for me, was one of the one of the sort of the breakthrough secrets. And it was almost, um, 
I remember thinking, wow, this is almost too simple. And then I started doing it. Damn it. It worked. (laughs) I have to tell you, I hear that from so many people. They'll say, I've heard you say that for years and I never actually tried it. And I finally actually tried it. And you know what? It actually works. It really works. My content is better. I'm not as overwhelmed. Uh, You know, they embrace it once they try it. But the thing is, on the surface, it sounds like it's going to be more work instead of less. Until they try it, they don't know. Yeah, it was much more uh, manageable and not so overwhelming. And I just, you know, the folks that are new to content marketing, really does uh, it's like you're trying they're trying to learn some other language with a different alphabet and it just it's it's so completely overwhelming and they're very intimidated by it and there's all these you know really smart uh books about this type of thing but i think you know a number of them are for people that already are content marketers or yes. have been doing that uh type of thing right right yeah and i wanted to serve everybody else <laughs> The other 95%. Yeah, that's right. That's (laughs) right. right. So with this pandemic, um, is there anything that's kind of surprised you? Oh, it's so interesting because I've always been kind of obsessed with historical fiction, reading it and watching it on television. I've always really liked to watch, if I watch fiction at all, it's usually based on some historical event. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons I've been drawn to that, and it's interesting because I've become more aware of it recently, is that the best historical fiction is based on some kind of inspiring story And the story is inspiring because the people in the story have overcome some impossible challenge. And I think watching historical fiction and seeing people over and over overcoming these, and it's the same reason I like to read biographies, you know, you just see people who've overcome these incredible challenges and you realize, oh, we're going to be able to overcome it as well. This is what humans do. We just, we get through it. It's not, it's not uh, fun and it's difficult. And, but, you know, we rise to the challenge and we get through it. So I don't know if that's exactly surprising, but it's been really interesting to see those stories in the context of what we're living through right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you obviously we can't predict the ingenuity that's going to come out of things, but already I'm seeing things that are just surprising me. And I, I see this uh, uh, entrepreneurial spirit of a lot of companies, and they're very clever and they're obviously very focused because they're trying to get their businesses to survive. But it's like the, the breweries and the distilleries making hand sanitizer or uh, the barber shops that are. Uh, doing uh, virtual classes on how to cut your your you know your spouse's hair <laughs> things like that yeah. it's pushing the p- pushing people and businesses in you know in a in a new direction um, so yeah that's that's interesting what kind of questions are you getting from from your clients or what what are what are people asking you about content marketing and and, and maybe what they should be doing do you find more people signing up for your course at this point I am finding people signing up for my things um, in a weird way. I, you know, I've been teaching this since 2010 
online business. And when this all started to happen, I was just as freaked out as everybody else, like, you know, no different than anyone else. But within a few days, I kind of said to myself, all right, you got to shake it off and figure this out because people actually need you right now. And I started feeling like maybe this is what I've been preparing for all along because I, you know, the knowledge that I have can be really helpful right now. Um, I also, I mean, just between you and me, I have been sheltering in place since 1992 when I started my business. I've always worked from home. I have not had an office in all this time. So I'm very much used to making work at home. You know, it's mm-hmm. just how I've done my business all along. So, so you were doing uh, it way before it was cool. I Yeah, way before 1992. People are like, you're going to, okay, your business is at your house? Like, <laughs> yeah. You probably didn't even have high-speed internet in 92. I didn't have internet when I, there was no internet. I had a telephone and a fax machine. I'm oh. really dating myself. I, well, remind the younger um, listeners what a fax machine is. <laughs> right. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. It was Look sort it of like email on paper sent through phone lines. <laughs> but <laughs> so, yeah, I, so the kinds of questions I'm hearing have to do mostly with um, taking an existing skill set, not even necessarily an existing business, but an existing skill set. And figuring out how that skill set can be helpful to people right now and can be delivered to people right now. So, for example, somebody, a couple of people who have taken that content lab course were were let go because of their business, you know, the business they were working for closed and they were, they, they, called it like I was Corona fired, you know? Um, so, and, and some of the people are taking what they learned in that course and turning around and offering content marketing on a freelance basis, which was not my intention for that course. I wasn't intending to teach people how to make money with content marketing by charging for the service was more like helping people to use it on their own websites. But I mean, it's pretty cool. (laughs) I'm happy for them. I'm thrilled that they were able to get that much out of the course and then turn around and offer it and get paid for it. So that I'm, you know, I'm helping people. One of the people I'm coaching right now is a train conductor on the European train lines. He works in Germany. And so he has a site that is devoted to helping people travel by rail in Europe. And of course, that's not working. (laughs) So um, we've been talking about ways that he can use this time to grow his online audience. And um, once things get back online to take advantage of that and really leverage the growth that he's been able to create now, um, somebody else is a dermatologist and she sells skincare products, her own skincare products, really cool skincare products. So I helped her figure out how to deliver skincare consults by phone and um, to promote her, her products online and all of that. So it's, it's, you know, every client brings their own set of skills and their own situation. And I've been helping them pivot. It's been a real exercise and creativity and, uh, I've been very inspired by the people I've helped because everybody, like I said, everybody is kind of figuring out a way to rise to the occasion. And it's 
it's really awe-inspiring because it's a tough time for everyone right now. It truly is. Now, does the train conductor or the dermatologist, do they have their sites up and running at this point? They already have sites, yes. So I could include links to them or? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, they, um, it's just been really cool to see how people are responding to the situations. You know, Um, I have a a community, a membership community called the big league and people in there are also a lot of people were working to build online businesses already. And then suddenly in March, they started to feel deeply uncomfortable about offering things, selling things. I had somebody in there who teaches people how to build WordPress websites and she had planned to do a launch of her course in March and was thinking about just not doing it. And I really encouraged her to move forward. I said, you know, people really need this right now. So I think you have a responsibility to put it out there and it might feel uncomfortable. And you just have to acknowledge that and, you know, don't pretend it's not happening, Mm -hmm. but put it out there. And she did. And do you know that she sold more seats in her course than she had ever sold before? And she raised the price. Well, good Good for her and good for you for pushing in that direction. But, you know, that points to something that I see a lot of companies wrestling with. And that is something as simple as should we even be marketing? What should should we do? I have people think, should I sell? Should, you know, I think there's an awful lot of people that are wondering what, what should they do? Should they change their, their messaging? It's funny because I think toward the beginning, you know, a lot of people were feeling like their products were frivolous and why would they even want to sell them? And, you know, somebody asked me, I I don't know, this may go over your head, but you, you have a wife and a daughter, so it may not. Mm-hmm. So, and a son. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. So that's true. So um, somebody asked me at the very beginning, like, you know, do you think all, a- anyone with any product should be offering that product at this time? And I remember saying, well, I mean, maybe if you sell press on fingernails, like maybe not, you know, maybe it's not the most important thing right now. Well, don't you know that women who really like manicures haven't been able to get them for a long time and people are buying press on nails. So that example is now out the window, but I'm wearing my press on nails right now. (laughs) There you go. See? I, I should have known that about you. <laughs> you didn't wave them in front of the camera, so I didn't get to see them. But I didn't. Yeah. And my wife deals with horses, so she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have them on hers, but so I, I'm able to wear them because she does not let me get near the horses. So, you know, there you go. I'm very much in touch with my feminine side in case you were wondering about that. So um. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, there are few things that don't that people aren't going to want or need. It's just the way they'll acquire them may dramatically change. So I think if you own a business or you offer a service, you need to think about it and just, you know, don't catastrophize the situation in your own mind and just say, well, I guess that's it. I have to shut down. There might be a way that you can stay open and really be useful during this time. You just may need to be a little bit creative about the way you deliver it. Yes. And also, one of the silver linings I hope for is that from a communication standpoint, it's all going to improve because people are starting to think a little bit more about not being appearing tone deaf. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And also, I'm seeing a lot of companies thinking about, you know, if you get past all the emails from every uh, cab company that I hired 10 years ago who still had my email address saying (laughs) they're there for me, and thank you for paying your electric bill from the energy company. But it's sort of like um, there are uh, a lot of companies that are thinking to themselves, how can we be helpful? (laughs) Yeah. And last time I heard, that's a big part of content marketing (laughs) is trying to be helpful or educational or entertaining and not so much about themselves. And I think it's a great reset for a lot of companies. I mean, it's a big part of business. If you're running your business the right way is to think, how can we be helpful? How can I serve the people who need what I offer? How can I best serve them? I think the best businesses are always asking that question. But now, I mean, here we are all going through this collective challenge. And there's not, I mean, you can't think, oh, well, some of my customers are going through this situation. No, everyone is. Everyone is. So it's a moment where people can really pause and say, how can I truly be of service at this time? And like you said, not be tone deaf. Yeah. So back to uh, Casa Wilson, has your husband been riding his motorcycle at all? He has been actually. The weather's starting to warm up here. So he gets out once in a while and socially distances on his motorcycle. So yeah, it's it's a good relief for him, I think. Yeah, and it gives Pamela Wilson a break, you know. <laughs> It's funny because he normally travels a, for a, a good chunk of the time. So he has not, of course, been traveling. So, oh, yeah, so it's been a change. But Well, is there anything that you've been watching? Well, I it's interesting because we talked about historical fiction. I saw a great show on Netflix called The English Game. Oh, Have I watched seen that. It? Yes. Yeah. Very well done. I loved it. And it's about the development of soccer or football, as they say over there. You just irritated and everyone outside the United States. I know. I know. They're so sensitive. Or, yeah. Or, or made them or made them cheer. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Foot, so English football. football. Or soccer, yes. English football. And I always watch a lot of stand-up comedy, so I've been watching that. And did you watch the Jerry Seinfeld one on? Netflix? It's funny that is next on my list. My husband loves Jerry Seinfeld, so I'm kind of saving that so we can sit down and watch it together. Okay. And and the funny thing is, I always listen when I listen to audiobooks. It's always fiction. I'm sorry, it's always nonfiction. I listen to a lot of business books. Oh, really? And I have I've switched to fiction <laughs> because I don't know. It's like I think I need some fiction in my life right now. So I'm listening to a lot of fiction audiobooks. It's so good for you. And I can remember my daughter, who you mentioned, she just graduated from college, although she they didn't have the ceremony on Sunday. And she was an English major. And I remember in high school uh, where she went to high school, they every senior had to give a speech and hers was on the importance of reading fiction and the positive effect it has on your growth and development in your brain and all that sort of thing. So Pamela Wilson, you're doing the right thing. You know, marketing books are, are great. They're helpful. I read a lot of them, but uh, fiction should be uh, blended into that reading diet as well. I had sort of forgotten about that. I was a huge fan of fiction earlier and had kind of forgotten about it. And I've gotten back to it. It's been one of the 
positives of this whole situation is I've rediscovered the world of fiction. Mm. I have to admit, I love reading uh, history. I'm also, I like reading biographies, and I'm particularly interested in uh, military history. And I, uh, World War II, I just can't read enough books about that, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. So that's, yes, we're, we're uh, cut from the same cloth, I think, there. So Pamela Wilson, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you again. I appreciate you joining us here on Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails, and I'm so relieved that I didn't have to wait for another book to be able to talk to you, but I do hope that you won't uh, stop writing books. Thank you. I know there's at least another one in me, so we'll see. I'll be back knocking on your door once it's ready, but this has been really such a bonus to be able to have this conversation with you. I appreciate you inviting me. Well, thank you. And you know, you were talking about how you realized you needed to help people. I think that's what drove me to start this because I was hearing from a lot of listeners too, who were getting laid off and just their world in various ways was getting really disrupted. And I just thought, you know, I was doing what I could to, you know, send them, you know, book recommendations or tell them, you know, give them some ideas or some inspiration. And then a a few things happened where I thought, well, you know, I have a feeling a lot of these authors are at home and maybe they'd like to help too. And just like yourself, they have been so helpful and interested in speaking to the to the listeners. So at some point, we'll get back to weekly interviews with authors of new books. Actually, we're, I'm still doing that. In the meantime, I'm doing this. It's giving me someone to talk to. You're doing an enormous favor to my family, uh, Pamela, by uh, <laughs> giving me someone to talk to. And uh, I look forward to you... Uh, coming back. So again, thanks very much for joining us here on Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Thank you. Cheers.